May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. This is God's word to God's people. Thank you. 
So I'm wondering if I'm confusing you by having another series on discipleship. And so I wanted to preempt that confusion by having a preamble to this sermon series. Do you remember in Lent, we were talking about discipleship, right? Wasn't that just Lent? All right, and during that sermon series, we were talking about how discipleship is, is how you're first gonna believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and I spoke that at the end of the series rather than at the beginning because it worked well for Palm Sunday and Easter, but really that should go at the beginning. Jesus, you connect with Jesus, and then as a consequence of that, you live into being a follower of Jesus. And so we talked about how there was um, acts of piety and acts of uh, mercy. Remember that? Remember how we talked about personal devotions and public worship as acts of piety, and we talked about individual compassion and social justice as acts of mercy, right? Are you remembering this? And we said that these are the things that we do to grow ourselves in faith so that we can become what we're striving to become, which is a fully invested follower of Jesus Christ, a fully invested disciple of Christ Jesus, right? So, I'm starting a sermon series on the movement towards becoming that. Thanks to some insights uh, shared by Glover and Lavi in a book called Deepening Your Effectiveness, we have this delightful little insert of a person on the beach going into the water. And I want to assure you that that's a dolphin, not a shark out there. <laughs> so it's a good thing going in the water. And uh, the whole idea is that as we are moving towards trying to become that fully invested disciple of Christ Jesus by practicing these acts of piety and acts of mercy, we are developing through stages. And that's what this is about, and that's what the sermon series is going to be about. We're going to be talking about the stages through which we move as we become more fully a disciple of Christ. You start on the beach. The beach is not the water. We want to get in the water. Different stages. I don't know why he's wearing clothes as he goes into the water. <laughs> Clearly, uh, whoever drew this graphic does not live on the coast. Um, but then someone said to me after the first service that, no, that this is the baggage of human life weighing down on the person. And, and you realize it more fully once you get connected with God that you're weighed down with things that you need to shed. And that would work if in the last one the guy was naked, right? <laughs> Free from all of that, but that's not in the graphic, so uh, uh, I'll leave it to your own imagination. So we're, we're going to be working on these stages of faith. And we're doing it for a couple reasons. One is because we want to think about ourselves. Um, we're here worshiping because we want to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and through this sermon series, we, we might see where it is that we actually are. No, no public confession or anything. Just privately thinking, well, you know, I really still am that guy just on the beach sticking his toes in to see if it's all right, but I really haven't gone further than that. Or you might see that you're way out there swimming with the dolphins. So we're, we're having this sermon series for us to think about 
intentionally where we are on our pilgrimage of faith. We're also doing it because as a church, we want to be intentional about helping other people move through their stages into a deeper discipleship. And so we're, we're going to be invited to think privately about ourselves, how do we relate, and then also about how are we doing as a church helping other people move along in their faith. All right? And we're doing this because I kind of think this is what's necessary. You know, with the, the state of the world, the state of our country, the state of our denomination, the challenges that are facing us just in our own community. Um, the way we're going to get through this is by hunkering down with Jesus and moving closer and closer in love with God and love with neighbor, doing it better and better. So it's not academic, this sermon conversation that we'll have for the next month and a half. I think it's really uh, existential to our well-being individually and as a church. All right, so now start the clock for the sermon. <laughs> that didn't count. I still get my, my full time, don't I? So I think Jesus seeks to have everybody, as many people as possible, enter into a right relationship with God. That's what Jesus was about. That's what he was doing. He wasn't coming to set up a new uh, world religion. He was just trying to be a faithful Jew and invite people into authentic, loving relationship with God and with neighbor. Then things went off from there. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with God that honors God well and that heals and uplifts us as well. And Jesus, for some reason, focused more particularly on the marginalized, the sinful, and the lost, those who were disconnected. Perhaps it was those who had an awareness of their need and were willing to listen and engage. Mark and Luke remember Jesus as saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus seeks to, to bring us back into the fold and actively into the kingdom of God, experiencing the fullness of God's blessings. Remember the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus didn't say, ah, tough luck. Jesus said, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that is lost. And the prodigal son story, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He who was lost is now found. Having established the relationship, Jesus seeks to have us deepen that relationship with God. Do you remember the story of uh, Nicodemus? He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's one of the holy, holy guys that are running around Jerusalem, right? He sees something in Jesus. He goes to Jesus, and Jesus has something to say to him. We can do a little bit better, Nick. Come on. 
work with me on this. You can go deeper with God than just following these rules. You can move from your head, Jesus says in so many words, to your heart in your love relationship with God. And the Gospels are just full of time and time and time again when Jesus is instructing his disciples, helping them to deepen their faith. Discipleship is a uh, dynamic thing. It's a, it's a moving, developmental thing. It's not a static thing. It begins with an awakening to God and then progresses through a growing and a maturing of one's spirituality, of one's spiritual relationship with God. It happens over time. The journey of discipleship happens as a church is alive in the spirit and is faithful to its mission. So look at this ocean diagram of, of spiritual growth into Christian discipleship. The, the shore is uh, the unchurched world. And the ocean is uh, when we have entered into a more intentional relationship with God. We move from unchurched to church, from not articulating an understanding of God or faith into a time in which we can put to words our faith, our meanings in life. And so there's six figures, six stages, you might say, of of moving into fully engaged discipleship of Christ Jesus, into, into full, deep faith. And so when you go to the beach, you're, you're welcome to uh, come and get Debbie and I, and we'll go to the beach together, and we'll get on the shore, and we'll stand there looking at the ocean, and we'll say to each other, isn't it fun to be swimming? And the person walking by will say, you're not swimming, you're standing on the shore. You don't swim until you're in the water. But it starts by standing on the shore. You've got to get to where the water is, right? So you get to where the water is, and then, and then maybe you, you go up and you stick your toe in a little bit. You kind of see, well, what is it like in the water? Do I want to get in the water? Is it safe to get in the water? And you think, well, maybe that's a little refreshing to my toesies. Maybe I want to get more of me refreshed. And so you step in a little fuller, right? Now it's up to your knees. I'm, I'm walking you into the water as the diagram does. You're experiencing the water a little bit more, but you're not swimming yet, are you? And so this sermon series is going to use that graphic as a way to make sense of our growing in connection and depth of love of God in our faith, stages of our faith. The church's job, at first, at this initial stage, is to get the person's attention. Now, back in the 50s, society helped us with that because the expectation was everybody was going to go to church. You were, you were odd if you didn't go to church, I might say. It was, it was kind of against the grain of the pattern of so many of our communities. Today is not that way. You're odd if you're going to church. 
Most everybody is not going to church. Most everybody doesn't see why they should be going to church. Our first job is to somehow get the attention of the person who is standing on the beach wondering what it is all about, this big ocean that keeps coming up towards them and moving away. So a question was asked of me some years ago, why do we even bother? Why should we bother with this? Why bother with other people? Now that sounds kind of heartless, doesn't it? And I'm not saying that any of you said that. Though on occasion, sometimes I wonder, um, <laughs> it's hard to get the attention of people out there if the only people we're looking at are the people in here. Why should we bother? Well, I think the reason you're here in worship is because you have been touched by God somehow. God's spirit has, has come into your life somehow. You've, you've sensed something greater than yourself. You've been awakened to something. Perhaps you would even say you have been healed, that your life has been transformed by your connection to God. And that is why you're here. You're here because this stuff we're talking about is real. And so the church's purpose is to be a conduit of that real experience to people who as of now are not certain about it. So I don't know if you know or not, but I love you too. I'll go to bed singing their songs in my head. I sing it really very well too when I'm falling asleep in my head. He was uh, in an interview, Bono I'm talking about, was in an interview, and it's made into a book called Conversations with Micah Asayas. Um, and in this conversation, he says something that's, I think, uh, powerful that I want to share with you. He's talking about the why we would do this this trying to get the attention of somebody outside the doors, somebody stuck on the beach. He writes, or he says, it's a mind-blowing concept that the God who created the universe might be looking for company, a real relationship with people. And that is really kind of a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? Really. Um, but we think it's true, don't we? He goes on and says, though, but the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. You see, at the center of all the religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics, in physical laws, Every action is met by an equal or an opposite one. It's clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I am absolutely sure of it. And yet, 
Along comes this idea called grace to upend all of that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed because I have done a lot of stupid stuff. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am. And I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. Now, you don't say that whole thing to the person on the beach the first time you meet them, right? <laughs> but that's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. And this is the kind of thing we, we want to be saying. And this is why you're here, I think, because you have had that kind of of experience of grace and you know how you've dodged, dodged the justice of karma. Thanks be to God. And I think if we've got our heads screwed on straight, that's why we want to extend the invitation and the welcome to other folk as well. We know its value for us and its potential for others. Getting folks' attention and drawing them in is not done in a vacuum. The Spirit is already nudging people. You know, Wesley's understanding of the prevenient grace, that God's grace is working in people's lives before they're even aware of it, and it helps to awaken them to the the thought, the presence, the experience of God. N.T. Wright in Simply Christian talks about the echoes of God's voice. The echoes of God's voice in our search for justice. As we're, as we're searching and working for justice, we, we, hear, we hear a faint echo of the one who is behind it, who is asking for justice to roll out like a mighty river. In our quest for spirituality, in our longing for relationship, in our yearning for beauty, in all of these things, there is an echo of God that people on the shore kind of hear. And this is why so many non-churched folk might say they're spiritual. The spirit has already affected them and they are aware of that which is greater than they are and how things need to be put to rights because they're not. They're trying to get a handle on this as best as they can to, to manage their life with the disconnect that they don't have that handle as best as they can. Yet they're uncertain as to how the echoes or the 
experiences are found in the church. Because they're looking at the church and they're saying, are you kidding me? Look how they treat one another. Look at their attitudes. Survey after survey tells us that people on the beach do not see us the way we like to think we are. What they need is a trusted friend who's willing to risk his or her reputation and invite them into the water. Invite them to see what the people are like at the church, to experience the connection to God that is there in the church. To try it because you'll like it. Someone who could say, come and see, test, test the waters. What you're sensing about God and you is real. And there is much, much, much more to it than you're experiencing now. Don't worry about what you think the church is like. Come and see what God is like in the church. Our scripture passage this morning rehearses for us what I'm talking about. Philip has had a positive experience with Jesus. And he tells his friend Nathaniel what he has found. He says, hey, man, I think I've found the Messiah that we've been looking for all along. Nathaniel reacts and says, are you kidding me? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You've got to be joking. Philip says, friend, come and see for yourself. Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see. He's, he's risking, his, risking his reputation with his friend because he believes Jesus is the real thing and will deliver the promised goods about God and healing, change, growth, salvation. And because Nathaniel trusts Philip, he holds his cynicism, which he expressed, he holds that to the side and decides to give the encounter with Jesus a try. So translating the, the scripture into our own lives here, for example, it would be uh, one of you. One of you feels confident of the Spirit's movement in this place through the quality of our worship service, perhaps, through the hospitality of our parishioners to one another. One of you, let's just suppose, feels a confidence in that. And so this parishioner invites 
his or her friend to church. The invited friend, trusting in the parishioner friend, decides to check the church out to see if what he has heard is real. Yet comes into that decision and that experience with cynicism that is probably not real. Cynicism is the barrier at this point of stage one for that person to get off of the beach, to dipping their toes in the water. And the congregation, we minister to that cynicism when the person shows up on the elbow of their dear friend and we deliver a relevant dynamic worship service And we engage the person in interpersonal relationships that seem genuine and authentic. And the hospitality, the welcome they feel among us is lush. It's genuine. And the person has those experiences and comes away, hmm, Maybe what I thought before is wrong, and maybe there really is something to this God stuff, to this church. Jesus is made manifest. The voice of God moves from being an echo to being clearer for the person. And the person discovers resources for and partners in their search for justice, for spirituality, for relationships, for beauty. Anne Lamont is one of my favorite writers. And she, one of her first books was called Traveling Mercy. She wrote that when she was still a mom of a of a littler one than a boy that now I think is married with children of his own. And she was, she was writing about why she makes her son go to church. And she wrote, I make him go because I can. I outweigh him by nearly 75 pounds. But that's only part of it. The main reason is that I want to give him what I have found in the world, which is to say a path and a little light to see by. Most of the people I know who have what I want, which is to say purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, are people with a deep sense of spirituality. They are people in community who pray or practice their faith, people banding together to work on themselves and for human rights. They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle. They are part of something beautiful. 
To my mind, the church serves as a beacon of light when we are at our best, a beacon of light, a spiritual resource, a caring community. This is who we are. This is who we offer to people stuck on the beach. It offers, the church offers family, offers an avenue through which for healing and growth. It offers a God connection that is dynamic and powerful, transformative. Now we might get away with making a child go to church, but we can't do that with an adult. Adults need to be invited in need to be drawn in and then welcomed and matured into that solid relationship with God and neighbor. This is what we are to be about as we are about it for ourselves, for other people. We can do this. I know we can. Amen.